Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Football Edition. My name is Joe Marchalina, and joining me again this week, former football coach in the Granite State, Mike Lockman. How are you doing today, Mike? Doing good, Joe. It's uh, it, it, it became October weather-wise very quickly, didn't it? <laughs> oh, it sure did. It went from like 80 to like 70, or not even 70, 60, 50, somewhere in there. Overnight, yeah, it was mid fifties over the weekend. It was good football weather, oh, I, I guess. To, I actually broke out my uh, my my jeans for Friday night's game. I'm I'm so disappointed. Yeah. Well, uh, as always, you can send us questions and and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail dot com or on Twitter at nhhs sports. Uh, you know, as far as I could tell, Twitter was uh, what the only social media to, that uh, was working on this Monday. Uh, so yeah, that you you can uh, rely on that to send us messages. Maybe don't use anything else. Uh, you can listen. Yeah, to- everything was down, right? Yeah. I don't. The world must have ground to a halt today. <laughs> it was a, it was a weird Monday. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to the show every Tuesday morning at nh-highschoolsports.com, and uh, and I believe that includes next week, right? Where uh, even though I don't know, is it. Uh, Whatever, whatever holiday people are calling next Monday these days, uh, yeah. I think we're still gonna we're still gonna be on on our Monday schedule recording schedule. I think we're gonna soldier on. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into um, into this week's show. Uh, wanted to first start out by giving um, I guess I guess we'll call it an update on uh, on these uh, canceled games. Um, of course, there's been a bunch of games. Uh, this so far this season that have been canceled, postponed, uh, delayed. I don't know how you want to refer to it because we don't know what's going on with them really, uh, except for one of them. There's been one game, um, the one that was scheduled back on week two between uh, Newfound and Summersworth. That game has been rescheduled. Of course, all these uh, games that I'm mentioning uh, were postponed or, or called off due to uh, COVID concerns, whether it's, uh, you know, I don't know if it was kids that were coming down with it or were quarantining. Uh, I think in most cases, these games were called off because one team didn't have enough kids to play because of uh, whichever it was. But one of the games, Newfound at Summersworth, uh, has been rescheduled. Uh, They're going to play next Tuesday, October 12th, um, which is a little strange. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been... Can you think of any Tuesday football games uh, that have taken I can't. In, in fact, I was just going to say two well, two things. One, I can't recall NHIA football ever being played on a Tuesday. Now, somebody might know of an instance. I just can't recall, and that's going all the way back to the the early '90s when I played. Right? I mean, I've pretty much continuously been involved since then as e- either a player or a coach. I, I do not recall an instance. And two, it NHIA football is starting to feel like like college and NFL football where you can, you can almost find a game every night, right? There's Thursday night football and yeah. Sunday night football and Monday night football and college plays on what Thursday night sometimes now or and Tuesday night. You get, you get some Mac games on Tuesday nights, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like they're kind of spreading themselves out a little bit so they can be seen by more audiences and not be clustered up on a, a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon. I mean, I wish I could say the motivations were the same here, but uh, it's starting <laughs> to feel that way a little bit with, Tuesday nights and Thursday nights, and of course the Fridays and Saturdays we typically play on. I, so I don't remember a Tuesday night game, but I do remember a Sunday game uh, a couple years ago. I believe Hollis Brookline and St. Thomas played the last weekend of the regular season on a Sunday because uh, it rained so much uh, Saturday. They had to push that game back. 
and I do remember. Yeah, the Sundays aren't unusual. I've been involved in a, in a few of those. We we played um, Trinity on a Sunday when I was at Sauhegan, um, and I can't remember whether it was because of weather or it may have been. Um, you know, you know, sometimes there's like a a family tragedy or something. Uh, it may have been like a player's family had a an untimely de- member had an untimely death, and we worked around it or something. I that that seems to ring a bell, but it was you know it was about eight years ago, so it's hard to remember. <laughs> but there, there's been a, a handful of reschedules that have taken place on a Sunday or what have you. That's not as unusual, but Tuesday night's pretty unusual. Well, I do want to say I remember a Monday night or a Monday game too. Um, this is probably going back about ten years or so um when there was like an, a late october snowstorm and it pushed a game between merrimack and north back to a monday um where they they agreed to play despite i mean i don't think either team was in the playoffs so they agreed they they played the game um you know after the season the regular season i guess was technically done but that was a monday night right. game. But yeah i don't remember a tuesday night game and what I'm guessing, looking at the schedules, the reason they're able to do this is because Newfound this week is on its bye week. Summersworth next week is going to be on its bye week. So you've got both teams, one team in Newfound having probably about a 10-day break leading into this game, and then Summersworth having a 10-day break on the other side of the game. Um, right. So if that's the, the case here... I don't know how they're they're going to reschedule any other game. I mean, I don't think they can. No one else has bye weeks set into their schedule like this. Um, so I, I I mean I, I don't know. What, yeah, it was like what's a unique opportunity yeah. that just happened to work for those two teams. So I mean, and, and we're getting to a point here that they've got to figure out what they're going to do with these games sooner, later, or, or sooner. They can't be later. Um, you know, are, are they going to be forfeits by the teams that had to cancel? Are they going to just be no contests? Um, you know, and, and we're just going to act like they never happened. And if that's the case, you know, we, we were discussing this before we started today. That works okay for Division 2, 3, and 4 because the seeding is based off of football rating. Um, you know, and, and regardless of how many games you play, I mean, you can figure out a football rating. In Division 1, it's based off of win-loss record. And, you know, that's not as obvious. Um, you know, what, what does that mean? Does that mean win percentage? Does that mean just number of wins I, I don't I it has to be figured out and and it would you know it'd be great to figure it out sooner rather than later or should they just switch it to that to, to football reading for this year yeah I, I don't know that I've seen anything even resembling an answer I'm almost afraid to well I shouldn't say almost I have been afraid <laughs> to go look at the um, you know the, the the rankings right where teams are, are positioned currently within uh, each division and conference, just because I'm, I'm not really sure it would be accurate or how they would be figuring it out. I'm, I'm not sure whether the coaches know I, I at this point. So I don't think anyone knows. I mean, in a way, I guess it kind of keeps you focused, right? Like, hey, we don't know what the heck's going on. We're just going to play to win each week and worry about how things fall out. But as you mentioned, there's going to come a point here where you've got to, there has to be some sort of an understanding about how this is all going to be figured so that people can understand where they fall or where they didn't fall and why you know i mean that's sort of a fundamental piece of the whole thing you're right there there is a point where they need to figure out so so uh, you know as everyone's listening to this it's it's november it's october 5th um the playoffs are starting november 6th so we got about a month um until the playoffs start are are scheduled to start so something yeah i mean they've got less than a month to figure this out right 
Uh, well, you know what, Joe? Maybe you and I ought to come up with a plan and submit it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they would welcome that with open arms. You know, we could sit down. You've got you've got all the the the, the abacuses and the test tubes and beakers and all that stuff at home <laughs> that you do to. You know, you've you've done some work over the years figuring stuff out and where do they stand now kind of uh, articles that you've published. I mean, we could get that done. Oh, absolutely. I have no doubt that we could. Uh, but, but Put a pot of coffee on and... <laughs> I, it's it's a matter of getting uh, getting anyone to listen to us. That's uh, that's that's the bigger issue, I suppose. That's probably fair. <laughs> uh, you know, before we get into games too, I want to I do want to bring up um, some kind of um, I guess what's been a disturbing trend. Um, you know, in in some cases over the last couple of weeks, or, or well, I mean, it's it came to light mostly this past week, but I feel like it's something that's kind of been building. Um, and that's that's just the behavior of, of fans, um, you know, at, at some of these football games. Uh, of course, um, you know, the, the really kind of disturbing one last Friday um, you had at the, the Exeter at Manchester Memorial game where police had to be called because there was a fight between Memorial students in the stands. Um, they had to clear the stadium. They paused the game. Uh, there were reports of maybe someone having a, a, a firearm um, in the crowd uh, I guess there was a rumor that someone had been stabbed, but I don't. That wasn't actually the case. Um, someone was fighting with police, from what you know, what I read. Uh, what you had one person get arrested uh, the night before. You had at the Central Bedford game, um, you know, members in the, in the Central student section um, spitting on the Bedford band uh, while they were playing during halftime, and you know, I I <laughs> I was able to confirm this. Uh, because, you know, I, I usually, when I, I go to games, I, I take my the stuff that I don't need and leave it in my bag and kind of put it in a place that's, number one, out of the way, but number two, you know, no one's going to run off with it. Um, and it was kind of underneath, the, un, you know, in front of the bleachers. I went back to my bag. Thankfully, there was no spit on the bag, but it was around the bag, um, which I, I just, I, I'm, that one just, I, I'm stunned by. Um you know, and, and it's just, yeah. kind of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, there's there's 10 things that are wrong with that story. I, I mean, the most fundamental of which would be, you know, I, I mean, forget about the obvious things, how how terrible that is, right, to, to do that at any point. But, I mean, after the last 18 months we've been through, if there's any one thing that you, additional thing that you would have learned if you didn't know it already is, you know, spitting during a pandemic is probably not the most sanitary thing to do, right? I mean, you can, you know, heckling isn't great. You know, yelling and swearing isn't great. From a sportsmanship and a class perspective, you don't want to see that kind of stuff. But from a public health perspective, I mean, that's just unfathomable. And you might look you might have shrugged in years past and said well you know hey that's a terrible thing but that's that's kids being kids and you know that got out of control and there's no excuse for it but now again after the last 18 months we've been through to hear that that kind of behavior is happening i mean that that's really really kind of disturbing i i I mean i don't want to get you know too dark on it here but i mean what are you thinking Uh, yeah i i it's you know, and, and I've I've heard a lot of other things too. I mean, you you have your your normal you know chants that that the student sections do that that are 
I mean, you expect to hear them at some point, like, you know, someone commits a penalty and they chant, you can't do that, or, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean. I've heard some other ones, too, that are, are you know, I, I'm not a fan of myself. Um, but then there's some other, th- you know, one-offs where, you know, just things that are, are yelled from the crowd that, um, you know, it just, it, it, it makes you kind of, it makes you kind of wonder just, just what's going on. Like, why, you know. I'm trying to think of the right way to, to, to put this, but it just, it's, it's kind of, like you said, I think it's disturbing, you know, hearing yeah. some of the things that, that people just are yelling out in public. Like it's almost like the, the time away from, from being in these large social settings. It's like, you know, we don't almost know how to act <laughs> yet, or we have to relearn uh, some of this stuff. Um, but I'm, it's just, I, you know, I, when, when we were starting to bring fans back in the spring, you know, my my first thought was was people yelling at officials or people yelling at co- you know just just what would maybe some um, you know what would some of the parent response be because you know that was that's really the biggest thing at times is you hear you know people yelling at, at you know about a call or yelling at a coach from the side from the the stands um, but this is yeah I've 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 heard some things this fall and and late in the spring that. I, I never would have guessed I'd hear uh, being yelled out from a student section. No, you know, it's really too bad. I, 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 I've always been a firm believer that there's, there's a fine line between, like, the fun, spirited back and forth between student sections and things like that. Like, I think that's part of what makes high school football great, if it's done, if it's done well, right? You know, I mean, I, I've been, you know, you know up in the stands uh, on scouting trips with members of my coaching staff. I mean, for years you'd do that, right? I, I think that's a little bit of a lost art these t- these uh, days because they have huddle and you can do the film exchange at the touch yeah, of a button. Right, but, right. you know, when you're old and crusty like me, right, we, we used to go with a notebook and a, you know, a camera and all that stuff and you'd, you'd go and you'd, you'd do whatever you, you had to do and take notes and all this stuff. And, you know, and I, I've, I've heard some pretty funny exchanges that I think were just in good, in good spirit, right? A student section group making fun of the other student section group and the other student section group would chant something back. And, you know, it wasn't like unsportsmanlike. I mean, was it a little questionable? Sure. Was I laughing? Yeah, of course, because, you know, I remember doing stuff like that at basketball games when I was a kid and stuff. But there's a fine line between that and when it becomes ugly, right? And some of the things that you were describing to me off the call here were, things that I would consider ugly, things that if I had heard when I was coaching, I would have, I would have gone and found somebody to shut down uh, immediately. Right. And I guess what worries me is that, you know, I would have expected that what people would have learned. And and we said this at the beginning of the year about the players, but it kind of goes to the fans too. And I guess what I would have hoped that people would have learned by not having the ability to go to games last year and, and go out with your friends, you know, fans or whoever it is, right. Go out with your friends and see a game and have fun in the stands and, and really get into it and cheer on your classmates and stuff. Is it the, you know, the absence makes the, the heart grow fonder sort of thing, right? Like, man, it would really hammer home. Like that's a really cool thing to be able to do, to be able to go out there and do that. And like, we want to go out, we want to have fun. We want to cheer our school on. We want to have a ton of spirit in the school section, I guess I'm just sort of surprised that there would be that kind of ugliness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as opposed to like, wow, man, I really missed doing this last year. I mean, maybe I'm just naive, 
that's totally possible. <laughs> but I, I guess I'm just kind of shocked that it would it would go that way. And if it has, it's it's that's sad. I hope that it doesn't last for sure. And I and I certainly hope that the administrations, you know, I guess for lack of a better way of putting it, like have the courage to just put an end to it. Yeah, I I mean, in some cases, it's it's you know. I, you know, maybe crowds are big enough that you can't hear everything or you can't figure out where it's coming from. But I mean, I've been at a, a couple of games this year where, where, you know, it's from the other, you know, the other sideline, I can hear it. Um, you know, one or two kids yelling over the, you know, everyone else. And it's, again, it's stuff that, yeah, you know. Listen, you can hear that stuff, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I used to walk around on the sideline with a, with a track behind me and a bunch of space behind me and a headset on, and I could hear stuff. You know, I, there were times where if it was directed at you, you'd pretend you couldn't hear it because you have a job to do right. and it doesn't matter. But I could hear stuff. Yeah. So there's no way that that people don't hear that stuff, whether it's parents or administrators or whatever. And by the way, I'm not blaming them. Right. The the people who are responsible are the people who are who are doing it. Right. They're the ones that are responsible. Yeah. But I do think that there's a point where there's going to be some involvement. Right. There's going to be somebody setting the tone and setting the expectations, especially if it's slid, right? You've got to reset. Right. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about some actual football here. We, we yeah, we got all serious there, right? <laughs> yeah. A little, a little too, a little too serious for too long there. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's get into the football. Um, and I, you know, the, the game I wanted to start with was, uh, was the one I saw Friday night, uh, between Bishop Girton and Nashua South. Um, you know, in, in a game that, um, you know, South was coming off that, that kind of epic win the week before over, over Nashua North, um, you know, and, and Bishop Girton had a nice win over Merrimack last week as well. Really kind yep. of, uh, you know, you wonder if, if that was a, the, the win over North was a game that kind of could get South rolling. And early on, it looked, you know, it, it looked like it, you know, BG scored on its first drive, South went on answered with a, a 13 play five and a half minute drive and scored to tie it. And it, you know, it looked like this was going to be, you know, maybe not a, a back and forth game track meet kind of game, but at least a game that was going to go, you know, that each team was maybe going to throw a punch and the other one was going to answer, uh, you know, South and, and South's defense looked a little bit better. You know, they got a, they got a couple of stops, um, you know, but the game really seemed to turn on a, you know, they, they, South does get a, a a three and out, forces a three and out on BG. They drop back to punt. Uh, the punt gets mishandled by South. BG recovers, and on the very next play, um, you know the, the Cardinals score, go up fourteen seven. Um, now I've lost my where where oh South had the punt. Excuse me, South had the punt on the next drive, um, but they pin BG back all the way at their eleven. And, how, and the Cardinals respond with a 15-play, 89-yard drive that takes up seven and a half minutes. They score again. It's now 21-7. Uh, and it just kind of got the ball ro oh, rolling there. And what didn't help was, you know, South was able to get the ball back, you know, and they're thinking, okay, we're down two scores. We were in the same spot last week. We've been able to come back. Uh, but two plays in, they fumble again. And that kind of ended the half. Um you know, they ended up losing another fumble in the second half that kind of, you know, had this was the same kind of momentum killer. 
Um, you know, and Beachy's defense was was outstanding in the second half of that game. They held South to um, 21 yards in the second half. Um, oh wow! That, that 35-7 win, just uh, it's unbelievable, and it, it yeah. sets up. Um, you know, it sets up an interesting game this week uh, as BG plays North this coming week. Uh, a game that lost a little bit of its its luster with with North getting shut out by Keene. Um, but still, I mean, I, it's a game that you know if if BG's able to win, I mean, they're already kind of in the driver's seat for first place in the West Conference. I mean, this would kind yeah. of put them, you know, buckle the seatbelt, lock the doors in the car. They're, you know, it's theirs for the taking if they, you know, if they're able to, you know, even win. I mean, because they finish with a tr- tough stretch, you know, they, they've they got, um, uh, or you know what, um, I, sh- I shouldn't say, they, they have a tough game after the North one uh, against Pinkerton and then finish with uh, Alvern and Wyndham. So two winnable games there, but. You know, even if they lose that Pinkerton game, if they beat North and then win the other two, I mean, they've locked up that number one seed in the or the top seed in the conference. Yeah, and and I I'd love to be able to to put my finger on you know what the heck is going on with the two Nashua schools. I mean, they're almost completely unpredictable. Right. With the type of seasons that they've had and the results that they've had and the the types of games that they've been in, I mean. You know, we were talking last week about how we felt like BG and South on paper were sort of mirror images of each other. You know, they they had strong running games. They, um, you know, had had similar strengths and weaknesses. They had had similar types of games. Um, And, and, uh, you know, I expected that to be a pretty good game. I thought maybe BG would come out and, and get the better of them, but it was really a kind of an up in the air type of thing. And, you know, it almost sounded like what happened, and you were there, right? But to your story, that a couple bad things went south for for Nashua, and they just couldn't stop the avalanche. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good right? way to like put the, it. Right, yeah. like the the lack of momentum, and I'm not, that's not to take anything away from BG, right? Because you could just, if you're a BG fan, you could say, well, that's not fair, Mike, right? Maybe what happened was BG grabbed the momentum, smelled blood in the water, and went, and and that's that's totally possible as well right but when i think about two even what i would have considered pretty evenly matched teams uh you know physically skill wise uh you know i don't think of it that way i think yeah you know somebody got um you know let it get get into their heads whether it was a couple of mistakes that got made and you know you start you start doubting yourself and thinking here we go again um so that you know that's that's my head scratcher with South right now, right? We've been kind of scratching our heads all year about those guys, I guess. And then I did not expect North uh, to get beaten soundly by Keene. Uh, now, Keene's yeah. one of the Division One teams I probably know the least about, so again, probably shame on me. Uh, but I, that certainly wouldn't have been one that I predicted. I don't think I would have predicted either one of them would have run away with it, but I don't think I would have predicted that, that Keene would have beaten North handily. Yeah, I, I, I thought that, that that game was going to be a close one. Um, you know, and I did not think that it would be, you know, the kind of game that it was with, with Keene winning so, you know, in a lopsided game. Um, you know, and seeing the scores um, Saturday afternoon coming in on that one, I just kind of was like, wow, what is, you know, did, did North have some kind of carryover from, from the week before? Um, you know, Keene has got a little bit of momentum going too. I mean, they... they um, 
you know, it, they lost to Pinkerton, uh, BG, and then Pinkerton to open the season. But both of those games, I think they had actually had a lead on BG early. And then, um, you know, the Pinkerton game, I think, was closer, at least in the first half, than what the final score was. Um, yeah. You know, and then they, they get wins over Alvern and, and, and Wyndham to kind of pick up some momentum. You know, so that kind of, um, you know, I guess that leads into this game. You know, but it also Yeah, well, and, and you also know from Keene's perspective, based on what recent history has told you, Merrimack and South are both very vulnerable right now. Yeah. So yeah, they they still and they still play both. They they play both to end the right. season. And, and yeah, that's my that's exactly yeah. my point, right? You still got those two conference games to go, and if you're keen, you've got to be looking at your recent momentum and saying we can go get those guys. Right. Um, it also sets up a pretty interesting game uh, for for Keen Friday night. They they travel to Salem, which um, you know we we know is a very good team, but they've struggled. Uh, at times to slow other teams down this year. Um, they've given up yep. a lot of points. Maybe uh, last week corrected that a little bit. They only gave up seven to Wyndham. Um, but, you know, Keene's at three and two. Salem's at two and two because they had that game with Alvern um, canceled for the moment or, or, you know, potentially canceled for good. Um, you know, so so this is almost a must-win game for Salem against the Keene team that's, a, I think, a little bit tougher than maybe people um, thought going into the year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And with with Keen's style of play and Salem struggling on defense, uh, again, I think that's potentially a wide open game. You know, in any in anybody's game type of game. Yeah. Um yeah, that should be an interesting one. Um you know, I think I think though, you know, if we if we learned anything from uh from this past week, um you know, it, it looks to me, I know I know we had a couple of uh rivalry games the week before between teams that were undefeated. Um, and I'm sure, you know, Pinkerton and Exeter, if they were to, to have rematches against Londonderry and Winnicott, I mean, they'd certainly have a, a very good chance at winning those games. But I think right now those two, Londonderry and Winnicott, are your, your kind of, you know, 1A, 1B right now uh, as we stand, um, you know, halfway through the season, a little more than halfway through the season. Um, just looking yeah. at their, their scores, they've been they've been really impressive. I was going to say they seem to be the most consistent. I, I mean, I would put Pinkerton in there as maybe a you know a third consideration, right? Um, but but those two teams seem the most consistent. I think the other team that you have to think about would be Goffstown, um, who I actually got to see play uh, this weekend against Concord. Um, but but Gosstown looked a little rusty, um, and and on the flip side, I thought Concord played really well. Um, you know, I think the final score there was thirty four twenty three, but it was a lot closer than that. And um, you know, quite frankly, I thought that although Gosstown uh, clearly had the size advantage and the speed advantage, right? They've got some kids with a lot of speed on that team, Strickland. And um, Duval are both really fast kids, right? They've got a lot of game speed. But Concord, who was, I mean, they're not small themselves. They've got some good size on their team, but clearly outsized by Gosstown. I don't think there was there were any players on the Concord roster that had the speed that Gosstown had. And, I mean, Concord just lined up and ran the ball right at Gosstown. 
And Gosstown really didn't have an answer for it. And it was a lot of punch-counterpunch, right? I mean, you had a lot of explosive stuff from Gosstown. I mean, Peyton Strickland went, you know, for 140 yards on just four carries, right? And some of that was kind of as a wildcat quarterback. They use him yeah. back there a little bit when they take Webb out uh, to just take the direct snap and, you know, fake and run and do those type of things. But um, Concord had two backs in the hundred yard range. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the the stats were, but you know they just sort of lined up. I think um, Madison had 108 yards on 22 carries, uh, and um, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name, but uh, he had a big night too. You know, to kind of a two headed running back set. And they just they didn't do much fancy. I mean, they had a couple of little misdirection plays, but most of it was just kind of lining up in the eye and pounding the ball right at them. And the Concord kids ran tough. The Goffstown defense really didn't have an answer for it. And I think the difference in the game was simply that Concord defensively couldn't cope with Strickland and Webb and Duval and, and some of that speed, right? They put a really nice drive together, go down the field, bang, bang, bang put one in and then it was almost inevitable, right? Like Goffstown would get the ball back and unless they shot themselves in the foot with a penalty or a, a sack or a loss of yardage or something, they were just going to go down the field and score. So it was an interesting game. I thought that I actually really thought Concord played well um, and, and probably proved a little something to themselves and everybody else in terms of, of that game, even though they didn't win it, they were in position to win it in the fourth quarter. Uh, which is not, I think, what most people would have expected from that game. Um, and and Gosstown, quite frankly, I, I think they were they were a little sloppy. And I'm sure some of that has to do with there are a couple games behind some of these other teams because yeah. they missed those yeah. first two games that were canceled, not to any fault of theirs. But you know they lost some some uh, some experiential time playing. But they were a little sloppy and and out of sync at times, and certainly defensively, like I said, struggled. But I, anyway, my point in all that is, I still think you got to look at Goffstown too because they do have all the tools and a lot of talent. And if that stuff comes together at the right time, um, they're going to be dangerous as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right that they're you know they have the skill, they have the talent. Um, they just have to get caught up uh, to everyone yes. else because yeah. they're they're you know. They're, they're a couple weeks behind um, in terms of just, like you said, game experience. Um, yeah. yeah, and if they peak at a time, you know, because of that, if they peak at a different time than everybody else, if, you know, if other teams kind of peak a little early and Gosstown's peaking late because of the cycle that, that they're in, I mean, you know, you could see them doing some severe damage at the end of the season and heading into the playoffs because they definitely have the size and speed to be dangerous. It's a matter of can they – can they get in sync and can they kind of shore up that run defense, I would say. Yeah, and they're probably the team that, um, you know, gets, I guess, hurt by this, you know, unresolved cancellation issue the most. I mean, they they lost arguably two games that, that they would have, you, you know, you think they would have won um, against Central and Memorial. You know, and then they finish the year with games, a uh, home game against Winniconnet, then they're at Dover, and then they finish with uh, Portsmouth Oyster River the, the last three weeks of the season, um, you know, which those are all teams right now have a winning record where they stand, um, you know. So not an easy stretch run for the Grizzlies. Um, so, you, you know, you hope that, that, you know, there's some kind of resolution here so we know 
you know, they know what's, what's on the table for them. I mean, obviously, like you said, yep. though, you, you know, as a, you know, as a coach, I'm sure, I'm sure they're, you know, coaches are talking to them, their kids saying, you know, we just got to go out and win, you know, do our best each game, try to get a win and, and we'll let's, you know, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. I mean, there's no other strategy for your team right now, I would guess, right? You're just going to say, hey, we can't worry about all that. The only thing we can control is going out there, playing as well as we can, and getting more points than they do. <laughs> That's about <laughs> it. Um, That's hard enough. So you also saw a, uh, a Division Two game that we thought was, uh, was, was one to keep an eye on this past week, um, but turned into a little bit more of a lopsided one. Um, that was the one between uh, t- between Bow and Milford, where uh, it looks like Logan Barnhill had himself uh, quite the game, uh, over 200 yards yeah. and five touchdowns and a, a 42-23 win. Yeah, I I, I can't uh, I can't go completely under false advertising here and say that I, I I saw the whole game. I was I was able to catch some of it streaming, so I got a, I got a good sense of it. I think, but. Yeah, you know, I mean, we were a little. I think I think Milford fans were a little nervous that without Caden Zelensky in the lineup, um, you know, he's a key contributor to that team. And and uh, you know, what would that bring? Where you had a bow team coming in, probably still pretty emotionally charged. They've had a relatively good season. I think they were just coming off a pretty close uh, win at home against uh, a, a, a pretty good Sauhegan Sabres team, right? The division champs from last year. Um, and the Milford Sauhegan game had been close itself, right? Just back in week two or three, I think it was. Yeah. So that had all the makings of a of a pretty good game, and I think it it was close in the in the beginning, but it just to me it looked like one uh, uh, Barnhill just just took the team and put it on his back, right? Knowing that his backfield mate and co captain was not going to be there. I mean. What a great rise to the challenge story he ended up being. Um, and, and honestly, you know, Bo, who I think has a reputation for and a very deservedly earned reputation for being, a, you know, really good in the trenches, kind of power running team, good against the run type of team. Frankly, they were just sort of overmatched by Milford. Um, you know, Milford played really well up front. Milford played fairly cleanly. I mean, they made a couple of mistakes, but, you know, unlike the Sauhegan game that I saw um, where they shot themselves in the foot with some special teams things a couple times and, and had some penalties that kept some Sauhegan drives alive and things, uh, Milford played a, a cleaner, tighter game, uh, stuck to a game plan. And, and by my watch of it, again, not having seen the whole game, I can't claim to, I can't claim that, but um you know, they, they looked like they should be exactly what they are, which is considered uh, a, a Division II contender, right? I know they've already played and lost to um, to Lebanon, who right now is sort of the favorite by all accounts. But, um, you know, if you can go out and play a quality team like Bo and, and do it without arguably one of your two or three best players um, – that's a pretty good sign for a Milford squad that's probably improving and starting to build some confidence in themselves. Yeah, and um, you know, Milford, uh, no, no time for them to rest either. They they turn around and play probably what's the game of the week in the division. Um, you know, coming up this Friday is they have to go to Hanover, which is uh, sitting at five and zero. Oh. Um, 
you know, although they're, you know, their early part of the schedule may be a little bit lighter than Milford's. They did have that one-point win over Bo in week one, uh, but their last couple games have been pretty one-sided. Um, you know, so that's, yeah, it's an, that'll be an interesting one um, to see if Milford can kind of keep that rowing. That would be a huge win for them, too, um, you know, getting yeah. that. Um, you know, like we said, with the, the, the way the ratings work out, um, you know, they'd, they'd make a pretty nice jump with that win, not just going to 5-1, and one, but, but like I said, improving the rating. Um, you know, the other team that's in the, that side of the, the division, uh, the West Conference, uh, Lebanon, they are also at 5-0 and oh, along with Hanover. Uh, with a pretty good thumping of, uh, you know, you mentioned um, Sauhegan um, with Bo getting a win over, a close win over them last week. Well, Sauhegan went up to Lebanon and uh, took a 41 nothing loss, which, uh, I, I mean, I, I thought that, that Lebanon would win that game, but that was a little more one-sided, I think, than I expected. Yeah, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, and again, I, I didn't hear or see anything yeah. about that game, so I feel a little strange commenting on it, but you know, I, you know, I've seen Sauhegan once or twice. They're a talented team. I think they're young. Yeah. Very, I, I yeah, think they're yeah. undersized. Uh, and they're, they're a little banged up with, you know, what a couple few of their really, really key offensive and defensive line types that actually do have some size. At least last time I, I saw them, they were banged up. So it might've been a perfect storm of, Hey, you're playing a, a really good team with a lot of momentum right now. Um, who's probably, by the way, that being Lebanon, who's probably jacked to play you, right? right? I mean, they, they're they're viewing you as, hey, I don't care what Sauhegan's record is. The defending champs are coming in. They're well coached. They're talented. We're going to have the best pre- week of practice we, we've had yet, right? So I'm sure they were up for that game, and uh, they had Sauhegan in their crosshairs, and it, it sounds like they took that game pretty seriously and just, yeah, just just made it a no doubter. So speaking of mo- momentum, there, uh, there's one team. It looks like it has uh, lots of momentum on its side, uh, and that would be Manchester West, uh, which beat Hollis Brookline this last Friday, 54-28. Uh, the third win in a row for the Blue Knights, and from what I read, that's the first time they've won three games in a row in 15 years. Uh, wow. Yeah, going back to uh, 2006 then, which um, if I remember correctly, that was you know back in the old Division One. Um, and, and if I, yeah, if I remember, if I remember, that was one of my first years actually up here covering, uh, New Hampshire high school football and, and Bedford yep. kids were still at West that year. Yep. Um, it was either 2006 or two, I think it was 2006 that they had a, just a loaded team that, um, you know, had a, ended up getting into the division one playoffs. They'd given Pinkerton a really good game. Um, yes during the regular season and then unfortunately got uh, beat up pretty good by them in the, in the playoffs. But anyway, um, was that under Travis Cody? It was. Yeah. Yeah. He was, still uh, coach I remember that season and I remember that game against Pinkerton, um, you know, that they had just played really good defense yeah, yeah. in that game and sort of shut down some of the things Pinkerton had done. But yeah, no, it's, it's going all the way back to, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like it was 15 years ago, I know, but I think right? you're right. <laughs> it was that long ago. Yeah. Um, but you know, that this, this West team, um, you know, they, like I said, they've won three in a row. They've got Pembroke coming up this week, which, um, you know, at least on paper, that looks like it could be another win. And then they, um, they finished with an interesting stretch. They go to Milford, uh, host Sauhegan and then go to Bow to finish out the year. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know how that's going to go for them. Um, you know, but they, if you, if you were to, you know, if we ended the season now when we seeded the playoffs, uh, right now, the Manchester West Blue Knights would be a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when was the last time you had the ability to say that this deep into the season? I mean, I'm trying to think. Probably I, that, 15 years ago. Yeah. That, you know, that, or, or pretty close to it. 2006, 2007, I think, actually might have been the last time that, that yeah. West was a playoff team. Um, so that's exciting to see. Um, and then, and I definitely want to mention, um, you know, his team hasn't had uh, the most successful year here, uh, but I want to mention Jack Morrill of uh, Hillsborough during Hopkinton. Um, they, uh, the, the, uh, H, uh, we like to call him HDH, uh, shorten that name there because it's the longest name in, uh, I think, New Hampshire High School sports there. Um, yeah. They came away with a 35-28 win over John Stark uh, that came down to the final moments. Uh, but Morrill ha- had a, uh, a heck of a day, uh, 225 yards, five touchdowns, um, also had a two-point conversion, caught a 25-yard pass, picked up nine tackles on defense, and also had an interception. Um, you know, so like I said, that was, that was their first win of the year. Um, but a heck of a game getting that first win. Yeah. And you know, I've seen him play before. I haven't seen him this year, but he's been a contributor to that team, you know, going all the way back to the, the years where, uh, they had Colby quiet there and, uh, you know, had, had some really deep playoff runs. I think as a sophomore and as a junior, uh, Jack Morrell was a was a key player on that team. I know that he's well thought of by uh, people who have coached him in the past, right? I, I know uh, Coach Jim O'Rourke, who used to be the offensive coordinator over there, thinks very highly of him um, and, and always had good words to say about him. And I also think that he's respected throughout the division. Great to hear his name and, and that he had a big game. You know, he's um, I think he's one of those guys that does it right. He works hard. And, uh, you know, it can be tough when you're on a team that hasn't, hasn't been able to put it together and you're, you're a good player and you do all the things right. Um, you know, that you're asked to do in terms of your character and your, your work effort and things like that. And and it can be tough when you're going through one of those seasons. Um, I, I, I'm really happy that, that he had that kind of a game and hopefully that catches fire a little bit and they're able to, uh, they're able to end strong this season. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's turn our attention to, uh, to division three and, uh, I, I don't know if uh, I, I I know you saw this, Mike. Um, I did a bit of a road trip uh, on Saturday. Uh, yeah. Had myself a drive Saturday night up to uh, to Kearsarge. Uh, actually, it was my first time ever going there. Um, I'd never been up there before. It wasn't wasn't a bad drive. It's not too far off of uh, off of eighty nine for anyone that's never been up there. Um, you know, was was going up there to see uh, the Cougars take on Laconia in a uh, a Division three game. And um, it was, uh, you know, I, th- I thought just looking at on, on paper that it would be kind of a, you know, a close game, maybe a little back and forth. And what I ended up seeing was just a, you know, a dominating performance by the Cougars. Um, you know, they ended up winning 40 to 14. Uh, I, they scored on five out of their six first half possessions. Uh, forced, um, I think my, <laughs> I had to count this a couple of times because I, I, just wasn't you know you, you get to a certain point and you're 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 have to double check um i th- want to say they had six turnovers they were plus six on turnovers um just you know an, an incredible run um and they uh 
finished with 357 yards, uh, all on the ground, all rushing. Um, wow. And, and this is here's the stat line that I think you're going to like. Uh, they have a, a senior there by the name of, uh, of J.J. Davis who uh, is playing his first year of football. Uh, he had four carries for 153 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. One of them was a, uh, a 90-yard touchdown run where, it, you know, it came after probably the only mistake of the first half by Kearsarge where, um, you know, their punt returner tried to field a punt inside the five, uh, ended up getting tackled at the one. Um, they end up picking up a couple yards on first and second down. It's third down. They're at the 10-yard line. And Davis just gets the ball, uh, gets around the edge. And it was one of those, it was like he was at the 20-yard, his own 20-yard line and was gone. Um, just, had, you know, a lot of breakaway speed. Um, you know, and I think it surprised Laconia. And, and, you know, I mean, no one was within, I guess, say like 30 yards of him when he scored. Wow. You know, it's performances like that that make you start – wondering about you know different state records and things right there was a i can't remember the name of the back he was a transfer from campbell oh, uh, that Josiah, went Josiah over wade, to yeah. central yeah josiah wade uh do you remember the name yeah i josiah wade yes josiah wade right and he had like some ungodly amount of yardage against merrimack back when um dante Lorendi was the coach for a few years there uh, I mean, it was like, yeah. it was like, it was like 500, 500 yards, yards yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, insane. Right. I, I remember coaching at Hollis Brookline and we had a kid named Colin Pellrin who had five carries for 250 yards and five touchdowns in the first half of a game that we had. He, he, every time he touched the ball, he scored a touchdown, <laughs> um, in, in the first half. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's one of the, this this performance is kind of one of those performances, right? It's like there's got to be a record somewhere of that, you know, of, of of that kind of a performance, right? Five carries, five touchdowns, or you know, what what JJ had there for uh, for Kearsarge. It's crazy. You know, it, it it brings up another question though, which is it's really interesting to me to think about what um, you know what has happened to Laconia in recent years. Um, which I think a proud program with a lot of history of, of success, well coached. Um, but I just wonder whether there's like some, some regional demographics that have changed and they, they don't have the pool to draw from anymore or what it is. But, you know, there was a day where if you would say, Hey, Laconia was playing anybody almost right. You'd, you'd be, you'd be picking Laconia. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, they... they've, they've had a, they've had a tough time or at least an inconsistent time the last several years. Yeah, I mean, and it looks like, I mean, they, they moved the ball. Um, you know, they just couldn't hang on to it. <laughs> I mean, of those six turnovers, five of them were fumbles. Uh, yeah. You know, it just, it was it was tough for them. I mean, and they, you know, I had them for, um, oh, I just had it in front of me, and then I <laughs> uh, put it away too soon. Uh I mean, they were over 200 yards total. Um, but I'm not sure how I lost that one. But yeah, they were over 200 yards for the game. Um, they had, you know, they, they were able to move the ball in between the 20s. It just was, you know, was capitalizing on that and, and like I said, hanging on to it. 
you know, to go back to what you were saying there about performances, my the first game I actually covered up here after after moving back to New Hampshire was a uh, a Sauhegan playoff game in 2005, where uh, a guy by the name of, of Sean Jellison had, I want to say, four carries, like 250 yards and three touchdowns, and yeah. the one touchdown he didn't have was like a two yard run, it was like was right. really really strange. I mean. And I, I remember um, after the game, I mean, I, I knew of the name. Like, I, I you know, I, I didn't have a lot of time to kind of catch up on, on um, you know, New Hampshire football before I, I had started working back up here. And uh, I, I don't remember exactly what I asked. Uh, uh, Mike Belliver was the, the still the coach at Sauhegan. Of course, the coach at Sauhegan then. But, you know, I, I said something, you know, is this the kind of performance you come to expect from from jellison and he just kind of looked at me like what are you some kind of idiot like what where where where, you know where have you been do you do you not have you never seen him i was like no i haven't seen him before right Uh, yeah so it was uh was my my introduction to uh to the the sauhegan football program yeah yeah and jellison was one of those special players that you know i think i think that they Honestly, I think Sauhegan had a hard time figuring out, uh, you know, h- how to keep him in games for longer than a half. You know, I mean, he was that good. At, they would go out and play week to week and just just kill people with him. I mean, there was there was no team in that division other than maybe Plymouth who even knew how to cope with him. Yeah. Um, and and he did it week to week, right? We've talked about special performances from Josiah Wade and. You know, uh, I forget JJ's last name from from Kearsarge, but yeah, right. They have these they have these kind of special nights, right? There was a there was a Hollis Brookline kid the year before I coached there that had 350 yards and five touchdowns um, in 2007, right? I mean, that's a but then it doesn't get repeated, right? It's like the stars sort of align that night, and 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 something special happens, whether the opponent just wasn't ready for you or whatever, whatever, right? But Jellison was doing that on a regular basis, which is why he ended up, uh, you know, a starter and a captain at UNH, of course. Right, right. Well, while we're uh, while we're going down memory lane here, too, I'll add before I moved back here that year, I was working in Western PA, and uh, there was a a team, uh, Wilmington, I want to say was the name of it, who actually had a kid uh, who had who was uh, ended up um, going to Pitt who was pretty good, but another kid that was on the team the night I was there had a game like that where, you know, four carries, 260 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, so that was, uh, you know, you're right. You don't see too many of those in one season, and I don't recall, you know, it's been a while since I've seen a performance like that or a stat line like that. Um, having them in mul- you know, multiple ones in the same season, of course, in two different states, um, is a little different. Right. Um, you know, the other, I do want to mention, too, um, you know, we're kind of uh, reached the point of the Division Three schedule where we're getting the, uh, I, I guess you'd call it the round robin of the the maybe the teams that we expected to be in in playoff contention. Um, you know, this past week you had uh, Trinity going out to Monadnock and uh, knocking off Monadnock sixteen fourteen. Uh, the week before, yeah, great game. Yeah, that's Monadnock's first loss. Um, you know, Trinity remains undefeated. The week before they'd beaten Campbell fourteen nothing. Um, and then this week, uh, the Pioneers go back home to host Pelham, 
uh, also undefeated. Meanwhile, Campbell hosts uh, Monadnock. Uh, just a lot going on in Division Three this weekend. And um, you know, I, I when is that Trinity Pelham game? Friday night. Friday night in Manchester. That's a big game. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. I mean, game. all indications would be, and I, I, you know, you hate to be, uh, you hate to be doing the pigskin profit thing now, but <laughs> you know, you would, you would think. Hey, that's probably a, a Pelham win, right? I mean, they've just been rolling, and Trinity's undefeated, but they've had battles. You know, that they've been in close ones, like you just mentioned. Right. Um, but I don't know whether that maybe works for them. You know, I mean, you're a Trinity team, you're undefeated, you've got a lot of pride in history. Um, you know, is the fact that you've been in these close battles against other really good teams, does that help you out a little bit against a Pelham team that seems to be just you know on a on a course for destiny here right Right. um maybe it does and and it's a home game for the pioneers right they've traditionally played really well at their especially in their new home that they've got over there beautiful field yeah um that that should be a a marquee game that's that's a great matchup yeah i I love that field i haven't been there for a football game yet but i saw a couple of cross games up there this past spring it is it's a gorgeous field great place to yeah we we played uh we played there uh spring baseball Okay, uh, with yeah, my son, yeah. and um, and I got a really good look at it, and uh, it, it's beautiful, and it's and it's in a really nice kind of New England setting too, right? Like you're there, you just feel like, yeah, you know, this is kind of a really really uh, picturesque place to Absolutely. have a have a football game. So yeah, if you're a fan and you're looking for a place to go, that that might be one to check out. That's a good game. So I mean, to kind of you know compare the two, I mean, you look at common opponents; um, they only have two. Uh, they both played uh, Conval, both played Interlakes Moultonboro. Uh, both games were kind of you know one-sided. One-sided, um, yep. <laughs> but I mean, it, this, so this is what's interesting to me. So you got Pelham has had uh, five five of those games, uh, very one-sided games against some of the uh, the second-tier teams in the division. They've allowed twenty-seven points so far this year. Trinity, on the other hand, has had three games against teams that um, actually I think have one win between the three of them. And then those two games we mentioned there between or against Campbell and Monadnock, they've allowed 38 points this year. Yeah. So that's, I, that is kind of an interesting one to me that they've been able to, to, you know, they're not too far away from Pelham there in terms of points allowed, despite playing a little bit of a tougher schedule to this point. Right. They've played what arguably may be the other two contenders in the division right. at this point. Right. And Pelham, so, yeah, Pelham will play yeah. both of them after after they play Twin- Trinity this week, right? Um, you know, and then um, you got uh, in Division Four the the big game of last weekend uh, was the one that got canceled between Epping Newmarket and Raymond. Uh, unfortunately, that one would have helped us uh, shake out a little bit more of of what's going on in Division Four. But there are two games that coming up this weekend. That uh, that should do that. You've got Newport playing at Raymond, and then Summersworth at Fall Mountain. Uh, four teams that are are still very much in the hunt for uh, for a playoff spot, along with Epping Newmarket. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, is Newport still undefeated? They are. Yep, Newport and um, Epping Newmarket are both undefeated in Division Four. Yeah. So yeah, I mean things will. Uh, I, I am looking forward to that this weekend because, like you said, it's been it's been hard to 
you know, you'd, you'd think that we would have a handle on some of this stuff by whatever it is here, week four or five. Um, sometimes I forget what week we're in because teams have missed, right, missed, <laughs> missed games here and there. It's and like then, you can't yeah, tell by the records. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're in week five because, well, no, this team's two and two and that team's three and two. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, and then you add um, in the bye week in Division four, too, and that completely right. changes. I mean, you've got, you've got Raymond's played three games, and then you've got, you know, a couple other teams like Franklin, Bishop Brady that have played five. Right. Yeah, so it's it's really a tough one, but uh, yeah, we should we should definitely have a better handle on on four after this weekend, I would say, huh? Yeah, assuming all fingers crossed, all those games do get played. Yes, correct. Um, yeah. Any any game uh, any other games that uh, we didn't mention coming up this weekend that are, are um, you know, that kind of stand out to you, or that are, are actually the one we didn't mention. Um, a big one in D2, uh, Lebanon at Bo. Um, you know, we, we, uh, we did discuss, you know, Bo, um, coming up short against Milford last week in a game that we thought would be a little bit closer. Um, but I mean, that's, that ge- that's a game that's at Bo. That's kind of a tough place to play, I think, for teams. And, yeah. And, you know, Bo, again, traditionally a team that's physical, um, you know, something that, I'm not sure Lebanon has seen a ton of this year outside of that game against Milford. Yeah, it's tough to imagine Bo losing a couple in a row, um, but that's a tough schedule to go Milford and then Lebanon, right? Um, right. You know that that's that's uh, those are the uh, those are those are two of maybe the other four teams right now that are sort of sort of at the top of the pack in, in the division. So um, that's a tough one to call. I mean, like you said, I, I would say Bo's a tough place to play. You know, I'm not sure that I would be putting money on them losing two in a row, but Lebanon's been the real deal this year so far, and I don't think there'd be many people that would bet against them in this one. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd have a tough time doing that against anybody. I mean, they. I mean, I haven't really seen Timberlane too much, but I think Lebanon might be the team to beat uh, in D2. Yeah, hard for me to say. Like, like I've said, I haven't really, I haven't seen Lebanon. I have gotten a good look at Timberlane. Um, and Timberland's pretty good too, but Lebanon seems to be like they have maybe a little bit more weapons like from what I've read. Uh, Timberlane, I think, relies more on a really good offensive line. And by the way, that's a good recipe for success as well. But um, is there is, is, does that matchup take place later this season? Which one? The oh Timber, Timberlane well, uh, Lebanon? Uh, Lebanon Timberlane. No, matchup. they are they are on uh, in opposite conferences, so they were. The that's only, right. Only right. way they'd meet is in the playoffs. Yep. So we'll have to hold out to see if that <laughs> transpires. Right, right. Uh, any other any other thoughts before we wrap up for another week? No, I think we're good. I think we're good. I think it's uh, hopefully the weather holds nicely this weekend. It, it's got to be. It's got to be better than today's been. <laughs> looks. It looks. <laughs> it can't uh, get any worse. Yeah. Last I looked, it last I looked, it was supposed to be a nice fall weekend. Uh, a little bit of sun in the 60s at least in the southern part of the state so hopefully that holds up yeah hopefully we get a great weekend and uh and you know again get some really really entertaining games like we've had so far yeah all right well i think that'll do it for us this week uh he is mike lockman mike thanks again for joining me yeah thanks joe i'm joe marcellino and we'll talk to you again next week